What's up, everybody? This is Stick to Football Bleacher Reports NFL Draft Podcast. I'm Matt Miller, the lead draft guy at BR, and joining me every Wednesday, the president of the Teddy Bridgewater Fan Club now, Connor Rogers in New York. Buddy, uh, we've done this twice now, and we're going to do it again because That's this right. is behind the scenes. Here's what happened. We, we uh, record this yesterday morning, and we talk about if Kirk Cousins goes here, if Kirk Cousins goes there. And I swear on my children's lives, right when we re- finish recording the podcast, you and I are messaging, and it's like, oh my God, Kirk Cousins is signing with Minnesota. So we're redoing it, and it's going to be really up to date, and we're going to get this out to you guys quickly. We do have a fun show. We're going to talk a lot of free agency, a lot of the trades that went down. We have a great guest with Derwin James, uh, the, the safety of Florida State, and we're going to answer your draft on draft questions. But for the second time this week, buddy, let's jump into this stuff. I have to admit, I was pretty excited to do it again. While it was deflating, as soon as I opened the studio door yesterday and and started scrolling through Twitter on my phone and, of course, was getting, you know, people freaking out, my friends or whatever, I was like, damn it. I was like, we just talked about if Cousins goes to the Jets or the Vikings. It's officially he's going to Minnesota. So there's a lot to talk about. But you got to start with the big fish here. I mean, you look at Kirk Cousins, $28 million per year over three years for 84 total Fully guaranteed. He will see every last dollar of that no matter what. So there's a lot to digest here. Number one, Minnesota is all in on Kirk Cousins. It's as clear as that because this will cost them after 2018. They will not be able to sign all of their free agents. But at the end of the day, I respect that they believe this is the guy that can get them over the hump. This is not a, hey, get us back into the postseason. This is a, hey, we're winning this division over Green Bay and we're making it at least to the NFC championship game. So listen, you got to respect a team that goes for it. He took less money to go there. It's reported that the Jets offered a little more. And at the end of the day, this is a move that they could say, hey, it was worth every last dollar or it could just be another risk in NFL free agency that goes wrong. Yeah, and that's like the a couple of points that I would hammer home. They were a tackle away from the Super Bowl last year. And now it's Super Bowl or bust. It has to be. When you give a quarterback a fully guaranteed contract, $28 million a year over three, uh, every year for three years, you have an expectation that, okay, we're going to go get shit done. And it puts a lot of pressure on Cousins. It puts a ton of pressure on new offensive coordinator, John DeFilippe, who's coming over from Philadelphia, where he was the quarterback's coach. And it puts a lot of pressure on Rick Spielman uh, to when you call your shot and I think one thing that happened is like you and I got a little excited about Kirk Cousins going to the Jets because that's your squad and I'm up there all the time and I've done media for them and we're like, oh man, the Jets are going to, they're going to hit a home run and they're going to go compete. And I think we maybe overrated Kirk Cousins. And I'm not just saying that because he's not going to the Jets now. I'm a 49ers fan. We have a quarterback. I don't give a shit, but I, I don't believe that Kirk Cousins is this top 10 quarterback that's going to go be the savior of the Minnesota Vikings. They do have a very good roster. They have Dalvin Cook coming back from injury. But it felt like last year was lightning in a bottle for the Vikings. And I think it's going to be really hard to replicate that and to go one step further. So not to you know piss on the parade of Vikings fans this morning. You guys should be excited. You have a quarterback that can hopefully help you compete in a very tough division. And I, I want to see it. I want to see it happen. I want to see it. It worked for Cousins. He's a great guy. Good for him. He has played this system beautifully. Good for his agent, who is also now a very rich man because he's getting 3% of that deal guaranteed. But I I just, 
I don't like the hype that, oh, the Vikings are the best team in the NFL now. Good teams are built in the draft still. Yes, that is that is factual. Now, here's the thing. Me and you always take biases out of this show. I think people relate to us because at the end of the day, we're football fans. But when it comes to doing the show, we take biases out of it. I explained last night on, on a Jets podcast, my argument for the Cousins factor was this. Yes, you're getting more money from New York, but living up to expectations in New York would have actually been easier because the Jets have such a bare-bones quarterback history where if you were the same guy you were in Washington, that 9-7, and 8-8, eight and eight, some decent stats kind of guy, you wouldn't have taken the blame, the brunt of the blame. They would have loved you in New York. Now, with Minnesota, I, I respect that it's the bigger challenge with more talent. You have to get to the NFC Championship game. There is, there's no other way around it. It's as simple as that. Right. So the Vikings fans should be excited, and I'm happy for you guys. I'm not the sad, bitter Jets fan because I'm looking forward to see what the Jets do in the draft to get the quarterback. I'm looking forward to cheering for the return of Teddy Bridgewater because he's such an easy guy to root for, and I do like what Josh McCown is in the locker room. But when it comes down to it, this is a an all-or-nothing move for Minnesota, and you know I hope it pays off, but we'll see. And it's going to be interesting when Minnesota comes to MetLife Stadium to see the atmosphere around the guy that spurned the Jets and to see how they react. It's just going to be a lot of fun. But now we got to talk about your 49ers because they were active. And I think the smartest move of this entire offseason, or at least what it looks like to me, is getting Richard Sherman done before the open market took place because you look at the contracts being handed out, it's like Richard Sherman is is taking less money than like Aaron Colvin, and it's those kind of guys like that. So that was just a great move from the Niners off the top. They go, they pay a ton of money for Jarek McKinnon, but it's a great fit all around. Same with Weston Richburg. They got guys, they, over, they overpaid like every team did in this free agency, but they got guys that fit Shanahan perfectly. Yeah, and I would even say, like, you're not the only one doing this. I, I was even, I was guilty of it on a, a, a podcast I did uh, where I was a guest, and I said, oh, like, people are overpaying for this or that. The cap went up $10 million this year, and it's expected to go up even more. So I think this is just the reality of the NFL. And teams like the Niners, the Jets, the Browns, they had to spend this year because they've been, they, they have to get to the cap floor. So, I, like, Jarek McKinnon, on the surface, yeah, it looks like they overspent, but they have to spend, so I'm okay with it. And you're right. Getting Richard Sherman for the deal they did looks like a steal. Hopefully he can get back. I still think the best move of, of the offseason was getting Jimmy Garoppolo locked up, trading pick 43 for Garoppolo, and now you have him locked up long-term. You have a franchise quarterback. I'm very excited about that, and I do like what the Niners have done. I actively campaigned for Carlos Hyde to not be brought back, so I'm okay with him going to Cleveland. Have fun with it. He's going to tease you, and then he's going to get hurt. And that's who he's been for four years. And I would rather have Jarek McKinnon and a draft pick. You know, maybe somehow they can swing a guy like Darius Geis or Sonny Michelle. I would rather have that. And to get younger at at the position, I like what the Niners have done. Like you, you were just saying with the Jets, we try to strip away bias. The Niners still need to get some targets at wide receiver they, they need. I still see that as a big need. They are still short, at least one pass rusher. And then the inside linebacker position still a bit of a question mark because we don't know what to expect with Ruben Foster long-term, but there are guys in this draft class that you have to think can come in and fill those needs. Uh, let's talk about some of the other teams that we're not fans of <laughs> or not, not that we didn't grow up fans of this quarterback carousel has been crazy to watch 
And the one guy who, as of Wednesday morning, does not have a job is A.J. McCarron. There's some reports out there that he's talking to the Patriots, which I actually think is a great fit for him. But to see the numbers, man, that are getting thrown out there, Case Keenum gets $36 million over two years. Sam Bradford gets $20 million over one year, and he doesn't even have a knee. Like he has, It's insane. It's like a bionic knee. Uh, you mentioned the Jets get Josh McCown, which I love. He's probably the next quarterback's coach there. And they get my guy, Teddy Bridgewater. I have no fucking clue what the Cardinals are doing, man. Sam Bradford and Mike Glennon. Yeah, it's like one guy, I'm sorry, a 20 million is insane. I had people, you can imagine what my mentions were like yesterday. People were furious that the Jets paid Josh McCown 10 million. I'm like, when Sam Bradford will not play more than two games this year, gets $20 million, what do you think is going to happen in this market? And, and listen, it's one-year one money does not matter. I always try to explain this. One-year money does not mean anything. It doesn't. It's just a matter of how long does it go into the following years, and there's none on a one-year deal. So, listen, Bradford, $20 million. Glennon, neither do anything for me. Arizona's got to go all the way up in this draft and get a quarterback. And that's and the I problem, man. They're yeah. a pick 15. So yeah, It's a long climb. You can't count on anyone falling to you, and it is a long climb. And no they have chance. Nothing to trade. Like they don't have assets that they're going to trade away. So what? That situation is really starting to look bad. Like they I, is it? I don't know if this is a hot take, and we always try to be positive on this podcast because there's a lot of good that went on this offseason. I can make the argument that Arizona is one of the worst situations in football right now. And I love Patrick Peterson. I love David Johnson. I like some of the young players on the defense. This is a quarterback driven league. And I I don't really have a stool. I don't really have, you know, a stool to stand on here being, you know, rooting for the jets at times, but McCown and Bridgewater are legitimate bridge options for whoever they do select in this draft. And they pick Lennon and Bradford (laughs) and they pick sixth. Glennon and Bradford for the 15th pick. Arizona's got to get creative. It's not all over yet. I'm not going to completely kill you guys, but the offensive line worries me. You climbing from 15 worries me. So I didn't I did not like what Arizona did. I think Keenum makes sense for the Broncos, even though I'm not a big case Keenum fan. It makes sense. So I, I understand that kind of signing. It's listen, the moves make sense. Quarterbacks are always going to be overpaid. At the end of the day, if your team didn't get one that you're or just you're not thrilled about it. Wait until this draft because there are four, maybe five in the there are five in this class that I think can turn things around in the right situation. And you really can't be mad until we see how that top ten falls. Yeah, and the Cardinals are lucky because they did clean up in comp picks. They got an extra three. So maybe they can and you can trade comp picks now. So maybe there is a way that they can package those two threes to move up a little bit. They currently pick at ninety seven and seventy nine. They also have pick 47 in the the second round. So there's four picks in the top 100. Maybe they can throw a package together to move up. It's probably going to cost you next year's one, as we saw last year with the teams like Kansas City and Houston that moved up. So it is a a very interesting situation. And the other team, um, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, Buffalo's got to go up and get a quarterback now. Your Jets at six, not to to make it all about the Jets, but they are a key player in this offseason. Now at six, they are in a spot where they're likely going to have to move up to get their quarterback of the future because they missed out on Cousins. They pick at six at 37, and then they come back around at 49 because of that Sheldon Richardson trade. I, I see this as a team that has to try to get maybe to three where Indianapolis sits to get their quarterback. I mean, everything I continue to hear is that Sam Darnold's going first. Saquon Barkley's going second. Yep. So at three, you're going to have your choice of 
Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, and Baker Mayfield. They have to get it right or everyone in that building's fired. It's that simple. It's as simple as that because you can like the Tremaine Johnson signing no matter what he costs. Avery Williamson, Isaiah Crowell, some really nice, you know, signings for this team. It just doesn't matter until the quarterback situation is figured out. And it's fascinating because Baker Mayfield's skill set, everybody feels, does not relate to Mike McCagden's scouting strategies. It leans more towards Josh Allen. But Josh Rosen is the best of the three, in my opinion, the most pro-ready He's dying to come to New York. That's no secret. Okay. He's very pro ready. Yeah. He's very pro ready. And, but you know, the personality thing, there's so nobody knows. Nobody knows. Nobody knows who the bills are trying to come up for. Nobody knows who the jets hope falls to them at six or they move up. I think you have to move up in this draft. So it's going to be fascinating. It's really going to be fascinating, but just know this signing Bridgewater McCown does not take them out of the quarterback market at all at all. I wanted to talk about our actual, some of our low key favorite free agencies. Yes. And I think you agree with me here. I, I love what the Bears did. I love it. I, you got your franchise quarterback weapons. Allen Robinson's a great fit for Nagy's offense with Mitch Trubisky. I like, they got Taylor Gabriel. They got Trey Burton. They went out and, and put pieces around their young quarterback for their new head coach, who is a great offensive mind. The Bears got this right, and now it opens the door for what they do with their top 10 pick. Completely opens the door for it. Yeah, I love what the Bears did. And and one signing uh, that, that you didn't have a chance to mention there, actually signing Chase Daniel as the backup quarterback. It's a one-year deal, basically. But have someone who comes in and knows Nagy's offense that can help Mitch Trubisky along the way. I, I think that is such a huge signing for them. Yes. I, I really... and. I do weekly radio in Chicago when, and when Ryan pace got hired, I was, I wasn't happy about it. I thought it should have been Chris Ballard. And I, I, every chance I get now, I admit that I was wrong because Ryan pace seems to have figured it out and credit a guy who has learned on the job. And he is just, I mean, he's, he's hitting on everything he does right now. And it's, it's really, it's great to see the Nagy hire. I hope I'm a, I'm a Nagy guy. So I hope it pans out, but you're right. They're giving him weapons. I really like what they've done. Um, I, I think another interesting team is Tennessee. You signed Deion Lewis to pair him up with Derrick Henry. Uh, they they've are, have been aggressive uh, about trying to retool some things on defense. You signed Malcolm Butler uh, and, and have that familiarity. He knows Mike Rabel's defense. He's going to come in, and that fills a huge need for them. He and Logan Ryan could play on the outside. You can keep Adoree Jackson in the slot where he's going to be most effective. So a team that hasn't made like the the splash signings, but they've made some really smart ones. So I, I do like what Tennessee's doing. Um, and, and they're also positioned pretty well to do some things in the draft. So those are kind of like the lower key signings. I mean, the Rams were so active with trades that I love what they've done as well. You know, it's like, okay, we'll just tackle Marcus Joyner. We'll just trade for a couple corners and Marcus Peters and a keep to So they're going to be in a good spot. You know, the saints, got Kurt Coleman uh, because they're losing Kenny Vaccaro and they re-signed Drew Brees. So that looks really smart. There's it's been a lot of under the radar, smart moves that haven't got the attention of some of the, the huge signings that we've seen for sure. And, and one that if you listen to the show, you knew it was coming. This is the only place you could hear it. This is a humble brag. Sammy Watkins, the chiefs. It just always made so much sense. It was something that we talked about on the combine show uh, it was a perfect fit for Pat Mahomes. They knew it was going to take a lot of money, so they cleared a lot in advance. So the Chiefs get another downfield threat, and that might be 
that could very well be one of the more explosive big play offenses we see this year in the 2018 season. It absolutely was, and great call by you to to link them up. You said it, you know, hey, the Chiefs need an, another explosive receiver. They're clearing money like crazy with some of these trades, and and you linked them to Sammy Watkins. So I'm still waiting for your tweet where you pat yourself on the back. That's how this business works, man. When you get something right, yeah. you, gotta, you gotta tweet it and be like, hey, you know I, me. I called this. Uh, yeah, I know, but I did locked on Chiefs. Uh, those guys run a great show, and and they they gave me all the credit in the world. So that's all I need. I appreciate it. And, you know, one thing I did want to talk about before, you know, before uh, we move on to talking about some trades here is we're trying to get the scouts quotes running again. And we have so many of them and we just keep forgetting to unload them. So, Matt, what are you hearing right now? Yeah, man. Well, we've talked a lot about running backs. And here's one that I was told that we in the media are all sleeping on. And that's Mark Walton coming out of Miami. Uh, a little bit of an undersized dude, friend of the pod. We had him on a uh, great guy. You guys had a fun interview, Connor, but he is a, a back that people in the NFL really, really like. I think he's, I think he's going to hear his name called in the third round and, and be a, a better player in the pros than he was in college. He's just such a good pass catcher. He's a really, really tough dude. And uh, he's ready to go help out wherever he, his name gets called. So I like Mark Walton and that's, that's good to hear and definitely adds up something I did here. And this one, I don't want to say surprise me, but it just show you we've heard over the years how devalued the linebacker position has become. But and we know Tremaine Edmonds and Roquan Smith are first round locks, but there's going to be three first round locks Rashawn Evans. The stock is really up. I think he had a quiet start to the year. Everybody eventually rises. Not only is he a good player, he's a good athlete. And uh, I, I heard that he's going to be a first round lock. So if you want Rashawn Evans, because I know a lot of the teams picking on the back end of the first round are saying, well, what if we miss on Roquan and Tremaine? you're going to have to use your first round pick to get him because the NFL loves this guy. All right. So there's been a ton of crazy trades and the Cleveland Browns have really been the catalyst behind all of this. They've had four gigantic trades. I don't even know if they're done yet, but when you look at this, it's interesting to me because I give, I give Dorsey credit. I give the Browns credit. I think they were self-aware and knew that they are not a hot free agent destination. So they said, let's trade for some pieces and not get ourselves into this crazy free agent market where they're starting to build a core. Now, listen, I don't love Jarvis Landry as a $15 million kind of receiver. Tyrod Taylor is a very, you know, he's your classic bridge quarterback. I, I like Tyrod more than most, but it is what it is. I love Demarius Randall and feel like this was the trade. To me, that was the Browns trade where I said, that's a piece. For the future, whether you want it, they're going to play him at free safety. You needed a free safety. I just thought that was the trade to me that stuck out. But we said this is going to be a crazy trade market because of how the free agency was expected to play out. What did you think of all these moves Cleveland made? I loved it. And like you said, I, I you stole my point there that John Dorsey and that front office, they know that they are going to have to outpay people in free agency. We saw it last year it with, with Tony Jefferson. They were in on him and they offered the most money and he went to Baltimore you cannot lure top-tier free agents to Cleveland right now. You need to win. And so you make these moves to give up. Like I'm, I think giving up a, a three for Tyrod Taylor is a lot. But we know exactly who he is. And like you said, he's going to be a very good bridge quarterback for whomever they draft at number one overall. And you start to recoup some picks, trading Danny Shelton to the Patriots. He's not a scheme fit for you anymore. So you trade him somewhere where he can be used and you get back valuable draft picks. 
I love the Demarius Randall trade. Like you said, he's going to play free safety. It's going to allow Julius Peppers, or excuse me, Jabril Peppers, Julius Peppers at strong safety. It'd be awesome. Jabril Peppers to play strong <laughs> safety, which is where he should be. That playing 20 yards off the ball shit he did last year. That's not who he is. He needs to be in the box. It's what he did at Michigan. I like Jarvis Landry more than most. It was really fascinating to me to see like analytics, Twitter shitting on Jarvis Landry. He's he is who he is. I know he's not very fast, but he's a very productive, tough possession wide receiver. And you have to have those guys. And especially in a scheme like what they're going to have with Tyrod, what they have with Josh Gordon, David Njoku, hopefully Corey Coleman eventually becomes something. But now you start to round out that team and you were never going to get Jarvis Landry in free agency. So make the trade for him. And then get him into your system, into your culture, and hopefully you can re-sign him. So I loved that the Browns are doing this. To I think it also says that, you remember when Dorsey got hired, he said that we're going to get some real football players. You, they did. Like Landry, I, I know, okay, he's he's slow and he's short, and people think he's overpaid. He's everything he analytics is one of the hates. toughest receivers in the NFL. So, and you're the AFC North. You have to have guys like that who aren't afraid to go over the middle. They're not going to get alligator arms. They're going to be leaders in the locker room. This is a team that needs a culture of winning. And you bring in someone like Landry who hates to lose, is an alpha male type player. I mean, he's going to set the tempo for that locker room. And I think on the flip side, I think Demarius is a guy we saw him go off a couple times last year. And it's going to be great seeing he and Josh Gordon in the same locker room because they had a little Twitter beef. But to see him try to come in and be a leader on that team with Guys like Miles Garrett, who's a little bit quieter, and just a young locker room. You know, Christian Kirksey at linebacker is a damn good player. That I, I think the roster, by the time we see the plan come to fruition after the draft, this is a, if Hugh Jackson doesn't shit the bed, they should win five to six games next year. As long as no doubt. he doesn't fuck it up. Yeah, and which he has shown he can easily do. So <laughs> that's an issue. But from the personnel side of things, the Browns are getting it right. And one thing, I, when the Jarvis Landry trade came down, I said, this trade makes sense for the Browns. Because, and we, we can go on this, you and I value analytics evenly. And Jarvis Landry is everything an analytics analyst would hate because all a lot of his good is intangibles. So when you look at it, though, the Browns need to hit a cap floor anyway. The money does not yeah, matter. You, I know it's exactly. stupid to say that. You have to hit the cap floor. So the money does not matter in this scenario. So when you look at it, Jar- like you said, Jarvis Landry is, is a guy that I think the low key factor here is I think he gets the most out of Josh Gordon, too. Ja- and we don't know if Josh if everything's going to work out for Josh Gordon, but I think we can all safely say we want it to. And yeah. Jarvis Landry is a guy that will get the most out of him because Gordon is so good he can coast on talent. Imagine if he gave a shit during practice or during the offseason. So... I like it for that side of things. I I think Tyrod Taylor is the perfect bridge quarterback. He's not an ego guy. You can draft your quarterback first overall, and Tyrod's not going to be, I'm not going to say names, but there's quarterbacks in the league that would have no respect for having the, you know, the hair apparent behind them. Tyrod's not that kind of guy. You couldn't bring in AJ McCarron and do that. They would have because Hugh Jackson loves him, but it would have created a giant problem. If you had Sam Darnold sitting behind AJ McCarron, AJ McCarron playing horrible because he's not very good. And then Darnold, it just creates a giant problem in the locker room. So I thought this was the right move. The 65th pick is a hefty price. That's a dude. That's a really good piece in this draft. But trading Danny Shelton, I get he wasn't a fit for the defense, but 
this is such a good land for New England because this is the exact guy they need. They needed to stop the run. They need a big body in the middle. I like it. You pay almost nothing, it feels like, for him. So I get why the Browns moved on, but isn't it so frustrating when a team just hands something to New England like that? But good for them. It's a great deal. It feels like this happens all the time, though, where New England like trades for a player or they pick a guy for free agency, and you're like, damn it. How did they how do they get this guy? So now they're gonna have Danny Shelton and Malcolm Brown side by side. Like, good luck running the ball, especially up the middle. What they needed is it's exactly what they, what they needed. needed. If you watched the Super Bowl, and I'm sure you all did because you're listening to a football podcast <laughs> in March. Of it. Like they need to stop the run. They need these big bodies. So that is one where, where like I saw it come across the ticker and it's like I had to make sure it wasn't fake. You know, that it wasn't like one of those fake rap sheet or or Adam Schefter. It's like, oh, damn, like they, yeah, okay, they actually did this. And it, I love it, man. It's it, it's great for New England. And I, I think the Browns it got to that point where, okay, we're, we were not going to re-sign this guy. So let's flip him and get that 2019 third rounder that they need because they're trading a third rounder for Tyrod. So I, I think it's also just exciting to see the Browns being aggressive. And it's been funny watching Browns fans on Twitter because they don't know what to do. Like they they, they yeah. don't even know how well, to like handle the right moves. <laughs> it's like, oh it's my crazy. god, are, are we trying? Like, are we actually trying to win and get good football players and not just accumulate cap space and draft picks that we don't know how to use? So, <laughs> so speaking of the NFC North, there was a a bomb this week with the Bills and Bengals making a deal. That this was like a really funny scenario for me. So the trade comes in right, and I see that. Um, the Bills have traded Cordy Glenn to the Bengals. No terms yet. Listen, Cordy Glenn, when he's on the field, is a great tackle. A great tackle. The problem is staying on the field. How much does he have left in the tank? We just don't know. I said, this is great for the Bengals. He needed an offensive tackle, and the Bills wanted to move his money anyway. So I said, great trade, great deal. I walked away in the back of our studio to do radio. That happened to be in the Buffalo area. Not, this was planned in advance. It wasn't just because of the trade. And I'm scrolling Twitter as I'm on hold to go on the radio and see that they swapped 21 for 12 (laughs) for a guy they were trying to unload his salary. Listen, if Cordy Glenn plays the whole season, that's a it's a great get for the Bengals. The Bills, this is a mind blowing deal. They are climbing the ladder like the Eagles did to get into the top five of this draft. And I didn't think they'd be able to do it necessarily from 21 and 22, unless they offered a monstrous deal. When you're sitting at 12, it's going to get interesting between them and the Colts. Let's you remember just say last that. week we had a draft on draft question. Somebody was like, what team could you see getting in the top 10? And I was like, it's the bills. It makes too much sense. Every move they've made since the front office changed, has been about getting to this point so that they can trade up. I think what you have to worry about is, how much you have to give up. You know, I, like you said, Cordy Glenn to a go lot. up nine spots. Okay. All, all right. And now they have 12 and 22. It might take 22 plus. And I know they have two picks in the second. I believe they have two picks in the third. It's going to take a lot to get up there, to get inside the top five, to have a chance at, at Darnold or Josh Allen, another guy I've heard they like. So it it is crazy. And I love it. You know, I've like, complained about this for years that I wish we would see more trades more like the NBA more like MLB where you do this where you don't need a guy anymore you go get value for him and find someone who will take a flyer on him so I love that aspect 
Hey, I promised that if news broke while we were recording, we'd talk about it. And this one is okay. so good that we have to talk about it. I don't know. I, I, you probably haven't seen this yet because you're in a studio. No, I haven't. Weston Rickberg is a San Francisco 49er. Scheme fit to the max. If Western Richburg is healthy, that's the ideal scheme fit for yep. what Shanahan wants to do. You get an athletic center that the Giants soured. I'm so torn on this because the Giants soured on Western Richburg, and that scares me. Now, I don't necessarily trust anyone that worked for the New York Giants over the last <laughs> two or three years, and I trust Kyle Shanahan. So right. this, is a, this is a great fit. This is a good center market. We know the Jets are going to be heavily involved. We know Ryan Jensen is the cream of the crop. Spencer Long is a very underrated piece in the center market. Weston Richburg is the guy that the spectrum's gigantic. If you get him back to what he's supposed to be in that outside zone, you get this guy on the move. That I, I love that San Francisco has a legitimate plan. They know the yep. players they want and they go out and plug them into the scheme. And I thought I really thought the Jets were going to be all over him. So I'm surprised. I'll take it. When my team gets a guy and yours doesn't, I'm, I mean, yeah, it's, it's like our baseball rivalry, you know, but that's right. <laughs> um, I, that's right. I didn't see San Francisco. I had heard they really liked Norwell and we're going to go all in on that. But again, the Niners are just filling needs. They're just checking boxes, man. You, you go to the corner and I think that I think Rick Brooke could play guard because they, I mean, they do like Daniel Kilgore at center. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him end up at right guard. Um, and like you said, because he is so athletic and in that outside zone scheme, your guards need to be able to move. So I, I wouldn't, oh, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if that's the goal. You just get your five best linemen on the field. It really doesn't matter. So, um, Joe Staley has to be pretty damn excited. I know I am. And I, I know Jimmy Garoppolo should be now. They just, you know, looking at the needs for the Niners, man, they got to figure out the running back position because Carlos Hyde's a free agent and I don't think he's any good, but they, they've, they've still got a lot of money to spend and there are, you know, they, there are guys out there uh, in the this guy, crazy class and especially in the draft to fill that need. They should be all in on Jarek McKinnon. I'll tell you that much. That's who they should oh, be man. all in on. Yeah. You want to talk about a guy that his athleticism, his pass catching in Shanahan's offense. That's the guy you should go spend money on. So that'll be an interesting one, man. The dominoes of this off season are, is mind blowing. And it's only going to get even crazier. Um, so that's one thing you have to keep in mind. And it's going to be fascinating to see how it plays and, out. And you reminded me of one thing I heard. And I can't believe I didn't lead with this. I'm sorry. I buried the Insider lead this buzz. week, guys. Was that the Browns trading for Tyrod means that they can go Saquon at one. Because they can basically, they wow. don't have to get Sam Darnold, who a lot of people believe is, is other than Josh Rosen, the most pro-ready. So it's like, okay, well... We have Tyrod, so we can wait on Josh Allen at four, and we have the year to develop him and then get him on the field, kind of like a Pat Mahomes deal with with Alex Smith. So, they're like you said, the dominoes of what is happening and how it could affect things is huge. But to your point, if I'm a Bills fan, you got to worry about Cleveland at one one or four. You got to worry about Denver at five, especially now with Case, Case Keenum there. The Jets at six. And all those teams could actually just draft Bradley Chubb. So the the Colts have to be careful. If that's their guy, if that's their target, they have to be very careful about moving back. But we could see the Browns try to move pick number four as well. I mean, who knows with John Dorsey just being super aggressive. But the Bills going up to 12. And it, I also think it says a lot about how the Bengals saw this left tackle class. You know, they could have, they probably could have got Connor Williams at 12. Yep. They could have got, you know, 
Colton Miller or Mike McGlinchey or whomever, you know, you believe the the top left tackle is, they could have drafted that guy. Instead, they trade for one and move back nine spots in the draft. That I think it actually says a lot about where they're at in the evaluation of this O-line class. Yeah, that that tells you a lot about it as a whole because we've said there might not be a franchise tackle. You love the upside of Connor Williams, though. He's a guy that could be one, but... Listen, and also this is no shit, but people I've been talking to, literally every single person, the Orlando Brown nosedive, like usually we overreact to combine performances, right? Uh, We tend to. The Orlando Brown nosedive is as real as I've ever heard. I don't think he gets drafted until day three. Uh, No, he won't. There's no way. No way. So that that just the guy that was your the first round uh, mock draft king over there not from you but from a lot of other people it's over all right we have another great guest for you guys this week one of my favorite players in the entire 2018 draft class derwin james formerly of florida state coming off a monster combine that unfortunately didn't get talked about enough man but we saw you tear it up out there in indianapolis people just the dbs don't get enough love because you guys test so late but uh, an awesome, awesome combine and a guy that I, I know Connor and I both feel a top 10 player in this draft. So welcome to the podcast, man. How y'all doing, man? Thank y'all for having me. Man. Yeah. So I do want to ask you about this combine performance because I was running the numbers on this and there's a great website uh, called mock draftable also that that gives like comparisons and the guy that you compare best to athletically is Eric Berry, which I I had like watching you play. I didn't see that because you're you're a big physical guy, but once you see the numbers, it it jumps out. So having watched EB and guys like that, is that the type of game you feel like you bring to the table? Yeah, because um, like I say, uh, Eric Bear is one of the, one of one of my favorite safeties. I watch a lot of film on him, and, and you're right, just from him being the size he is and versatile, being able to play in the box and play deep. So I feel like that's a great comparison. All right, Derwin. So another one that we do kind of hear about is Sean Taylor, which is pretty legendary. When you got to Florida State, it was kind of a story that you came in and and you were an alpha leader right away. You kind of set the tone. You had an amazing freshman season and then obviously missing a lot of the sophomore year. But when you came back this year, you looked great. There's no doubt about that. At what point of this year did you feel fully healthy and really back to yourself? I feel like I was getting back to myself towards the end of the season, like in the mid-season. Um, I think going after, into that Louisville game, I was really, you know, getting the flow of things, getting back to speed, you know, just missing a whole year. So it was just knocking the rust off. And then by mid-season, I was just back, I was back to rolling. Now, you mentioned the Louisville game, and that's one of the ones that I've watched a lot of times. Having to deal with Lamar Jackson, man, how do you tackle a guy like that? And you got to weigh in on this. Is he a, is he a quarterback or is he a receiver at the next level? Oh, man. It is, um, he's a quarterback. He's definitely a quarterback. He's a good one. <laughs> a great quarterback, too. A great a, a great quarterback, man. Uh, he's he's tough, man, because you, you got you to gotta respect him as a passer, and you also got to account for him in the run game. So, And it's just being smart, taking right angles, and sometimes, you know, you can't go for a kill shot on him. So you just got to know the player and know the type of player he is, and so I just, it's, it's what I'm playing against them. So at Florida State, you were using a lot of different ways. You know, you obviously played safety, but you were known for having the build of a linebacker and can cover like a corner. We kind of saw Jamal Adams used similarly in the NFL this year, so many different ways. But what's your favorite position to play? Where do you like to line up? Uh, I like being in that nickel spot. Um, I like that nickel spot, just being able to step into the box, 
blitz off the edge and cover on number twos. But I, I don't mind playing the safety role either. That I mean, it's just it's just ball. I do love playing ball. So really, it, one of those two, um, I'm most comfortable with. So you ju- you're just coming off the combine. It was a, oh, about a week ago. You were leaving Indianapolis, and we've always heard these crazy ass stories about the questions you guys get asked at the combine. So Got to know, man. What's the craziest thing anyone asked you, or just like the weirdest question? You know, like the "Are you a dog or a cat?" type stuff. Man, I think the weirdest uh, was um, I went to one meeting, and they just asked me to remember four words, and then it just really turned in. Uh, to uh, like an algebra, they just algebra says <laughs> like they started just asking me questions about numbers, and then just you know telling me asking me how to spell things and list things, and then at the end they asked what was those four words. So I had to repeat the four words that they gave me. So just basically trying to see how I think and um, comprehend things. All right, that's a new one. I've never yeah, heard that one. That is a really weird one. So obviously- yeah, yeah, and it was it was four four normal words. That's so weird. All right, so obviously down in Florida, some of the best rivalries across the entire country in college football. Which rival did you hate the most? Uh, hate? Yes, hate. Oh, man, I'll probably, have, <laughs> I'll probably have to say uh, that team in Gainesville. But... Yeah, that team. <laughs> say, say the name. <laughs> that team. I love it. Yeah, yeah, that team That team in Gainesville. Uh, yeah, we don't really get along with them. Well. And then after them, it has to be Miami. But I have to say the team in Gainesville. Now, did they recruit you coming out of high school? Is that like is that part of the hatred, or is it just? Yeah, they, they recruited me on, um, but Florida State they offered me early. Uh, I committed ninth grade freshman year, but I got I had them in Miami and Clemson, like all the teams from the south. You committed in ninth grade. Yeah, in ninth grade, I got offered a scholarship. Ninth grade, committed uh, in 2012, um, and enrolled in 2015. I didn't even know man. that was legal, man. That's crazy. <laughs> when I was in ninth grade, I don't even, shit. I don't even want to talk. I was an idiot. <laughs> well, that, so, that, yeah. yeah, go ahead, Connor. That was something I actually wanted to ask about because when you were in high school in Florida, it was obviously such a big deal. You were a five-star recruit. You were, you were a gigantic deal. You did commit early. And then you stay. You go to Florida State. You stay in the state of Florida. What would it be like to you – to, you know, you've had so much success throughout your career. What would it be like to you to go to the Midwest, to a team like the Browns, and be a part of a rebuild for really one of the first times in your life, a true rebuild? Uh, I, I feel like I'd be well. I, I feel like I'd do well in that system. Um, just just from my, being able to have my football IQ and just know the game. And like you say, all these athletic abilities that I have, you know, that, that I have had mm-hmm. since a kid. So I just feel like the way I lead and just the way I impact the game, I feel like, I can I can help change a change a culture, change a program. So we got to ask you, man. You you mentioned you you signed as a a freshman in high school, but I got to ask you about this this nickname. Your nickname's Pooh Bear. You got to explain on, it. That's, no, but come on, that's like <laughs> no, all, come on. that's like an offensive lineman's nickname, dude. What is going on with you? No, no, it's crazy because like my mom gave me a nickname when I was a kid. Uh, I was like I was fat and I was hairy. And then um, <laughs> that's what you get the bad part from. And then I just like always watch like when winning the pool come on, you know, I I cry for her to, you know, leave the TV on or let me watch it. So she's like, I'm going to call you Pooh Bear. And then, you know, I was kind of chunky and chubby as a kid. So then I just got, I started getting big. So she was just like, I can't call you that anymore. That is, that's awesome. Um, all right. So we run something with, with all of our interviews. We ask every player something called the gauntlet. It's five questions, five totally random off the wall questions. Number one, what's your go-to pregame meal? My go-to pregame meal? Yep. Uh, I have to say spaghetti, man. I love spaghetti. It's a popular one. Uh, my biggest, 
spaghetti, man. So what about a post game, like a celebration meal? Post game, I'm going to McDonald's. I'm going to get a steak or something. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Two extremes there. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Man, it'll be. Uh, I'll say it'll be super speed because I feel like speed kills everything, and I, just being able to get away from people fast. So, I'll say super speed. All right, so number three, what's one game that none of your friends can beat you at or teammates, whether it's Madden, FIFA, or if you play any other sports? Oh, well, I have two, uh, Madden and 2K. Uh, okay. Nobody can uh, beat me in those two games. Um, so they don't even be close, so i say Madden and 2K. Damn, we got what a team get... do you play as? That's awesome. Yeah, we got to know, though, what team do you play as at Madden? Oh, Madden? I play with the Seattle Seahawks. Okay. There you go. I like it. What's that Cam Chancellor back there? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I need that defense. <laughs> so if you were stranded on a deserted island and you could have anyone with you, who would it be? It'd be my mom, man. Of course Aww. my mom. <laughs> oh, there we go. She always been there for me. And, you know, that's that's my girl. That's my go-to girl. So I'd say my mom. That's the nicest answer we ever got. We usually get some crazy ones. Like Rihanna's a big yeah. one. We always get Rihanna. Rihanna? Yeah. So... <laughs> Number five. Oh man! If yeah, you, I can't say that. Yeah, <laughs> you can say whatever you want on this show. That's the best part. No, I can't say that for another reason. But I can't say that. <laughs> Number five. If you had an online dating profile, what would the bio say? If I had an online dating profile, yeah, Tinder, Bumble, whatever you oh, want to use. Oh, I say, uh, you know, handsome, charming. Uh, I say, put my put my size on that six two six three put my weight and just put the things I like to do. That's Real right. Simple. And then put a uh, top 10 pick in the NFL draft. Cause that's definitely yeah. happening. Derwin James. Thanks yes, so sir. much, yes, man. It's, it's been great having you on. This was a ton of fun and we're wishing you the best of luck because we're, we're expecting big things. We know you're going to kill it, man. All right. Thank you all man for having me for real. Man. No doubt. Yeah, you bet, man. Appreciate you. All right. Thanks again to our guy, Derwin James, uh, a lock top 10 player on my board in this class. Great athlete. Great guy. Very excited to see where he lands. I wouldn't be upset if he ended up in San Francisco. I know that. Oh, Come be the man, camp chancellor. Are selfish. <laughs> Just yeah, stealing very, every very. listen. <laughs> safety is one thing my New York Jets do not need. And I'll tell you what, I didn't get the Derwin James hype early on in the year, and I which is foolish of me because I'm always the one to say, wait till they get healthy. Wait till they get healthy. You watch the end of that season and you see the kind of athlete and alpha leader he is. Ooh, buddy, that's a top 12 player easily at the safety yep. position. It's no no doubt. Without a doubt. Let's jump into some draft on draft, man. A lot of fun questions this week. Thanks to our intern, Kennedy, for, for grabbing these for us. Anthony Mongaluzzo, one of the best listeners on the planet, wants to know, right. will Seattle look to address the pass game or the run game in this quick rebuild? I, I think it's hard to say because, you know, it is a, a rebuild and we don't know exactly what their priorities are. Some of the moves they've made, are even confusing to me. I think it's got to be the pass game because just the way they're built with, I think they try to win with Russell Wilson. Maybe they, you know, take a couple cracks at the running back position late, but I think they try to figure out what's going on in the pass game. First and foremost. Yeah. I'm really, what I'm kind of confused with Seattle right now because every single old washed up running back that hits the market, they seem to have interest in bringing a visit for, (laughs) But that could be a good thing because it could tell you that maybe they're looking for a veteran to go into camp with with a a really good rookie. Like I've I've said this before. I think Darius Geis or Sony Michelle is just tailor made 
to go to Seattle. Those, but will they be able to maneuver to get them if they need to at the top of round two? Or are they willing to pay up the big price where they pick in round one and take Darius guys? So I, I think they really tailor the run game here. I do. I think the days of expecting Russell Wilson to do everything, which that'll happen often, uh, aren't necessarily over, but they'll be limited. So I, I lean on the run game during that. I just hope they figure out the offensive line. Jesus. However they do it. Just uh, fix the offensive line. Good luck. I don't know. Because every time we bang the table for it, they choose not to. So we'll see how that one works out. Um, this one from Tyler Kincaid at TK2Smooth. Equinemius St. Brown was looked at uh, third round wide receiver. Why has his stock sunk? Sorry, that was a little little tough on the uh, the mind there. So he was, I guess you're saying he was looked at as a third round wide receiver. Why are we not really hearing anything about him? Uh, this is this is a little harsh. Uh, I watch a lot of Notre Dame. I'm from a family that roots for Notre Dame outside my dad who likes Penn State. And I've seen almost all his games. I've seen him in person a couple of times. He plays a little soft. I, I, listen, he's got amazing speed, athleticism, size. I just think he plays a little soft. And I think teams know that. And that's the... Maybe that's the secret here of why he's not being talked about in the top 50 because a guy that's built like that, that was limited by his quarterback, you would think he finds his way into the top 50 conversation and it's not happening. Yeah, I'm really low on him. And the reason for that is the the off-field. I'll, I'll read you guys the exact notes I got from a scout. Entitled, soft, doesn't make Oof. tough catches, looks like Tarzan plays like Jane, teammates and coaches killed him. That's from an area scout. Oh, so, my God. Well, there you go. There you go. And he, he is a great athlete. He is. And I've heard his name for three years of this dude's going to break out. This dude's going to break out. And it never happened. And some of that you can blame on Brandon Winbush. But before that, I mean, he had some quarterbacks there. And I know he was young, but he athletically is so gifted. But when guys don't want to work, there's no fix for that. And, you know, I, some of my biggest misses at any position, but definitely at receiver it has been guys like that. Doriel Green Beckham is one of them where it's like the guy just moved so effortlessly and made everything look beautiful until it was time to actually work. And he just didn't want to do it. And you wash out really quickly with that. And I, I, so when when the people who go through there and who work there, when they say those types of things about a player, it's really, really hard to bet against that. That's fair enough. That's uh, That's a hell of a report. So, all right, next one from Tristan Corp at the Tristan Corp. Would you rather be sacked blindside by Von Miller, take a 100-mile-per-hour fastball from Chapman to the ribs, definitely not on that, or block a Shea, oh, my God, or block a Shea Weber slap shot? That's, a, that's one oh. of the best questions we've had in months. Um, I will take the blindside sack Same. by Von Miller, which is insane, but Von's a nice guy, so maybe he won't actually literally kill me. He'll just come close. The 100 mile per hour fastball from Chapman would literally explode your ribs and then you can't breathe for a yeah. month. And I'm not exaggerating. And block a Shea Weber slap shot. Listen, I played lacrosse for a lot of years and uh, had a couple of teammates that could come close to like 90, 100 mile per hours on a shot. And I used to play in the crease. When you get, when you even get grazed by that, it's the most insane pain. A hockey puck is so much worse. No chance. Yeah, I would. Vaughn is not that big either. I mean, I know he's great. He's one of the best players in the NFL. I know he's fast. Hell yeah, I would much rather take a blindside hit by him. And, like, I get to wear pads and a helmet all day. 
Yeah. I take that any day. My God. I played baseball one year in high school, and it was before I realized I needed uh, contacts, and so I, I couldn't. <laughs> Not that I can hit the ball that well now that I have them, but you know I'm like 16, and I you know you're an idiot at 16, and I was I was one of the fastest kids on the team, but I was I just couldn't fucking hit, and so finally our coach was like, hey man, just you're just gonna have to start taking some pitches because we would love to get you on base. So if I didn't, <laughs> if you know if I didn't walk, I would get hit. I got hit in the head once uh, by a curveball that didn't break, and that I mean it put me on the ground. It. And that was high school, like 1A no high school in Missouri. So I would much rather be tackled by anyone than be hit by a pitch. Yeah, I think a hockey getting hit by a hockey puck from a guy that shoots 104 miles an hour is probably the most terrifying thing ever, ever. And yeah, like, like growing up in the Midwest, like we don't have hockey. Like we played floor hockey, you know, just basically inside a gym. And I remember taking some of those to like the Shannon stuff. There's no way. No, thanks. That was a great question, though. (laughs) All right. Uh, Adam Dickinson, 44. What's one draft pairing you love that some are not talking about? Well, I just I teased mine at the top. It's Derwin James and the 49ers. Oh, okay. So pair. Why did I think two players to the same team? I'm I fried (laughs) because it's Tuesday morning. Okay. Man, I, I mean, I said one already. I love I love Geis and the Seahawks. That one to me yeah. is like, now we can go out on a limb here and say like, okay, you know, Baker Mayfield to the Jets, Baker Mayfield, in New York City, or, you know, um, what's another one really? The Giants getting Saquon. Saquon would be a star in New York. He grew yeah. up in the Bronx. He grew up a Jets fan, not a Giants fan, um, but still he grew up in the Bronx. So, that you know, those are some fun ones, but some really under the radar ones. I think when you look at these schemes that rely so heavily on press, guys like Carlton Davis and Isaiah Oliver would be a lot of fun to plug in there. But I'll, I'll tell you what, man, guys, the Seahawks, I don't think it happens, but I think it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. You mentioned the giants and one pick. I actually love for them to, to jump in really quickly. If it, if he's there at the top of round two would be Will Hernandez, the guard oh, from yes. UTEP. Like they just need an ass kicker, especially if you're going to lose Rick Berg and, and they, they need to completely retool that offensive line. And you know, tackle is going to be a, a more of a priority, but I, I think Will Hernandez would be a great fit if he happens to be there when they come around. What's that like? Pick, pick 35, 34 uh, would be a tremendous fit. No, that one's awesome. I didn't even, I didn't even think of that one. So, all right, the next one from Adam, Adam Dickinson, 44. What is one draft pairing you lo- Oh, I'm an, am I an idiot? I just read the same one you just he- did. You're drunk Good today, Lord. buddy. I am. I'm losing my mind. All right. This next <laughs> one from Anthony at Antha Oreo. Another one of our great listeners. <laughs> Who are some underrated instant impact free agents? Underrated. I'm curious to see what Paul Richardson can do if he stays healthy. He's a guy when he's healthy, he can make plays. That's an, uh, you know, he's underrated in turn, but it's just always you worry about them being on the field. I think Spencer Long was a guy that only played seven games this year before he got hurt. He was really good on the interior line for Washington. He's a guy that can play guard and center. So you got to love that about him. Uh, there's a couple, man. Brashad Breeland isn't really getting talked about a lot. He's been really solid. Who are yours, Matt? Isaiah Crowell at running back. You mentioned Jarek McKinnon earlier. They're both 25 years old. I mean, these are young guys who still have a lot of tread on their tires and were in situations where they just either, you know, weren't used or had a bad offensive line. I think getting them to different different zip codes could really help a lot. It's more the skill players. I'm not in love at all with the, the offensive tackle class. I, you know, I know Nate Solder's going to get money. 
Um, Adrian Waddle is probably going to get money because the Waddle, especially being a little bit of a younger guy, but I, I think the where this class is strong is definitely in those skill spots. All right, this next one. Now we're bowling the questions because I am a little bit of an idiot today and don't know how to read the right <laughs> ones. From Bobby Horn at Niner Chat, if Buffalo trades up with Indy, do the 49ers have a real shot at Bradley Chubb? Not insane. Not insane. But this goes back to what I said, why Indy doesn't want to move that far. So yeah, it's I not can't crazy. See any but- way. Right, yeah, it just, just that's a, that's a slide for him, man. Teams love this be. guy. Yeah, I mean, he's you know when I did that article, I know I've referenced this a lot of who's the best player in the draft. Like he got votes, and so I, I I can't see any way. And like, hey, I would love it as a Niners fan, but I just can't see any way he gets all the way to nine. And yeah, he would be a good fit, but there are too many teams there. The Jets would take him at six if they've solved the quarterback question. The Tampa Tampa Bay would take him at seven. Chicago would have to consider oh, it. Bay, duh. Yeah, and that's There's if Cleveland no doesn't draft him at four. You know, like they just Jeez. don't say, just fuck it, let's just draft him. And him, he and Miles Garrett, okay, let's let's go. So I, I can't see anywhere. I think Niner fans, like the guy that we should hope falls uh, should be Quentin Nelson. And, and I know, like, yeah, they just signed Rick Berg and they have Kilgore, but uh, Lakin Thomas on a left guard, I'd rather have Quentin Nelson. Oh, it's not even close. You're talking about a guy that has Hall of Fame talent. I mean, yep. so, and you want to bully teams if you're the Niners. That's how you get it done. Yeah. And uh, our next question, uh, Cody Manning at Cody Talks NFL, uh, your question was, where do you see the Bills ideally moving up to draft a quarterback? And how much do you think we'll have to give up? We've kind of talked about that all show. Um, it, like, I think the ideal spot is is probably Indy at three. It really is. And, and that's, you know, that's trying to talk them out of Bradley Chubb, which is tough because he's such a great fit for them. But there has been a lot of smoke about that happening. One thing to think about is you could be looking at the third quarterback coming off the board right there at that, you know, at that spot where you could trade up. Maybe you trade up from 12 to seven with Tampa Bay. You could trade up to nine with San Francisco. Those are the types of areas that I would look at where you want to get ahead in Miami at 11. So I think that's the key. You're probably not going to come up to get Darnold. You're probably not even going to be able to come up enough to get Allen if he's a lock to Denver at five or, or Baker Mayfield or whomever they decide on at five. You're looking at the third quarterback in this draft and trying to get really ahead of Miami at this point if the Jets are able to get Kirk Cousins. So once again, that's what that's what all Bills fans should be rooting for today. All right, the next one up from Justin LeClaire. Why doesn't Royce Freeman get as much love as the other top running backs? He struggled to stay healthy. I like Royce Freeman. I just don't think he's in the top five running backs of this class. It's it's tough when Freeman could have came out last year. It was a great running back class. He opted to stay. Freeman yeah. had to come out this year. It's a great running back class again. And the guy's been banged up. But listen, someone might get a steal if he can stay healthy at the next level. Yeah, I think he's in that round three to four. Uh, my notes on him, um, you know, just doesn't play he doesn't play like he's 235, you know, and I think that he's had a ton of touches in college um, and he has been banged up. So you just start to worry about that. If Okay, how many more hits can this guy take before we see the best that he's been? I mean, he had over a thousand touches in college, right? So and he's already a guy that can be a little timid at contact. I don't think he has pull away speed either. And I, I know there are ways around that with scheme, but it's just you start to look at there are too many negatives. And there are a lot of positives. I mean, he's a great, great overall athlete. He's a big back. Um, he can run between the tackles, but 
just because of the negatives versus the positives. That's why he doesn't get the hype of Sonny Michelle or Ronald Jones or, or some of these other guys. Okay, this last one from Ricardo Nicola from Instagram. Keep leaving those Instagram comments. Very easy for us to see on our post for each show. In parentheses, he gets off the top. Uh, not to be a jackass, but would Shaquem <laughs> Griffin be a top 10 or 15 draft pick if he had a left hand? I think he'd be a back end of the first round draft pick. That's a great question. Man, I... Yeah, that is a great question. I, and I'm trying to think about exactly where he would slot in. He's Probably not like late Smith. first. No, he's not. And and like, I love Shaquem Griffin. Uh, great story. Hell of a player. It really is a good player. I, I think there would be legitimate questions about, okay, where are we going to best use this guy? You know, is he going to be scheme specific because he is, you know, a little bit of a smaller linebacker, 6'1", 227. And he was at his best really going forward. I mean, he was a very good pass rusher at times um, and he can drop into coverage, but you're probably looking at like a 4-3 weak side linebacker, which really limits you. So I, I think more likely than not, he would probably be a early second. Like you were talking about earlier with guys like Eric Kendricks, where when, you, when you're scheme specific, you happen to slide a little bit usually, even with the NFL going to more a lot more nickel overall, and he does play well in that scheme. I just, I don't see any way he's a top 10 to 15 guy. Not in this class. A lot of fun, man. We're going to have, you guys are going to have a lot to talk about on the Friday show uh, from Nashville. Talk about exciting. You and I, we're getting closer. It's official. We're going to be in the month of April. We're going to be doing mock draft Mondays. Stick to football, mock draft Mondays. Me, you, and Mello, the band is back. So we got a lot of exciting stuff ahead. And, you know, continue to leave your iTunes reviews with questions, suggestions, or what you want to see from your favorite team in this offseason. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Please keep doing that. It's the quickest way to get the show on your phone. 